For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. Everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning. Good morning. Whoa, what happened? Dennis there. That's weird. Let's try that again with Dennis. Huh. Dennis, you're here, but you're not here. That's really strange. Well, we'll figure that out. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel O'Connor. Dennis Dick is here, but his video is not showing up. That's super weird. Uh Lot to discuss today. Reversals. He's right? combing his hair. He's com- well, no, because he's not. Because I see him. But when I bring him on, I don't see him. It's this weird. That's a weird thing. Dennis, try to leave and then come back in. Let's try that. Um, reversals was the theme of yesterday, right? We talked about it on the show. Uh, you've been saying for a couple of days now that growth seems a little overbought. Well, it- oversold. Sorry, oversold. Um, caught a bit yesterday. A lot of the stocks that have been punished got had great days. And then on top of that, you had some earnings. Like Fubo, which had a great day, and then had great earnings and kept on going. So we'll talk about all that today on the show. Big day on the guest front. Michael Pachter is on 835. He's from Wedbush, and he's going to break down EA's earnings from last night, uh, the rest of the sector for us. Uh, he's a video game analyst, video, video game and tech analyst over at Wedbush. And then at 9, we're talking commodities, specifically ag, agricultural commodities, with Sal Gil, uh, Gilberti. He's the CEO of Tukum Trading. They've got uh, That's the firm behind the ETFs like uh, corn and wheat and SOYB, soybeans, and Kane and the entire space has seen a tremendous run, as frankly has every commodity under the sun. So we're going to talk ags at nine o'clock with Sal. So good day for guests. Good day to talk reversals. Smash that like button. Let's get to a thousand likes today. Let's get to one thousand likes. That's going to be the goal for today's show. One thousand likes. Joel, let's bring up your charts here, and you can tell us how we're doing in the uh, pre-market session here. Well, uh, first of all, uh, Triple D's internet went down. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. And then that is not there a new uh, coin today? He, What's it he, called? He just texted us saying his internet crashed. Yeah, there's a brand new coin. <laughs> Dennis needs it, clearly. It's called it's called Internet Computer, ICP. <laughs> it debuted a couple of days ago, and it's got a $40, $40 billion market cap already. Wow, was there? Um, all right. Well, let's uh, get to it. Um, we're in the red by 12 handles at 34 and a quarter. Uh, tried to rally off that uh, 6 p.m. open, turned back at 50-50, and then we had a nice dip 
Uh, couldn't quite get to the low in yesterday's session of 0375. Stopped at 10 and a quarter. And uh, now we're just chopping around kind of where we were in the last hour of the session. So I think a big day for the market. I think maybe it's one of these days where maybe sit back and wait a little bit. See if I can get green on the session. Take out the interday high from yesterday. Or that low for the for the week holds from or well it's low for the week so far oh three seventy five, crude uh, continuing to move higher with uh, the pipeline uh, still not back on line yet that's up ninety five cents at sixty six twenty three, uh, let's call it gold flat here eighteen thirty six uh, still trying to clear eighteen fifty silver. Right between 27 and 28, that's down 12.2 cents at 27.55. And Bitcoin, wow, $2,000 range here from uh, just hanging out, down $435 at 56370 Look at the consolidation here in the Bitcoin futures. All right, so looks like the show must go. Oh, there he is. Hey, Triple D, what happened? I did make it in. I don't know. The internet just went down. I haven't had an internet outage in a long time. Everything else was fine. I've had power outages, but the internet actually just went down for about three minutes. It's back, so I'm not sure what happened. My cable stayed on, but the internet went off, so weird. Anyways, we're back, so hopefully the internet does stay on, not just for the show's sake, but for my uh, overnight (laughs) trading account's sake, because I don't like it when I can't trade, especially when I have open orders and open positions and... It's never that much fun when your internet goes down, but we're back. We're back. All right, man, what do you? I mean, it's just this is kind of like a this is like a teaser market, right? Because you you had the reversal in a lot of the growth stocks. Uh, we're still red here, but well off the low for the week. I I think this is a a prove me day for the market. Where yep, yep where that was the dip was just the same old thing, buying the dip. And you bought the dip yesterday, you're rewarded. You bought the dip last night, you're rewarded. Hit the growth names. Yeah, I just don't know what to buy. Uh, I'm I'm looking here, and I love the price action and the growth names yesterday. We know I was leaning towards you know selling the value names and buying the growth names. I've been doing that for the last few days, like because value names have just been way overbought, and the growth names are way oversold. Obviously, you know they get hit harder yesterday. So I'm doing some homework last night, trying to go through some, you know, growth names that I think might, you know, be, you know, they've come from, you know, unreasonable cost to reasonable cost, growth at a reasonable price. And I'm struggling to find any. Even at these prices, I'm like, okay, yeah, the stocks look cheap here. But then when you look out to earnings, you're like, well, you know, Airbnb, yeah, you know, I love the concept. I love the company. I think Airbnb has a bright future. But then I'm looking, it's still trading 17 times sales. And, you know, like, I'm just like, it's not cheap enough, really, from a value investor perspective. So I don't know what to do. I'd love to buy Airbnb here. But when I do the math and I crunch the numbers, it's not very cheap. So and I don't want it. And obviously, I don't expect it to get down to like 30 times earnings to a market multiple. But I just don't want to be, you know, they're projected out to make a buck. I mean, it's tough to pay 100 times earnings for companies. It's it's tough to pay 17 times sales. The growth is going to be there. They may eventually grow into that multiple, but man, you're still paying nosebleed prices, even though the stock's been taken down 80 points from the highs. If it fell another 80 points, it'd be like, okay, yeah, back up the truck. But I don't think you're going to get down to there. So, you know, it's, it's a tough market as a value, as a growth at a reasonable price guy, which I am. 
I'm not seeing that much reasonable price in a lot of these stocks that really have been hammered. So, chat, help me out. Find me the nice growth company. I got an idea. What do you have? No, I I don't know what to do. I'm just, you know, I've been nibbling at some boring old dividend stocks and and hopefully the uh, interest rates and inflation won't, you know, kick me in the butt. But uh, where's our ETF expert? Spencer. Moi? We're going to bring in Spencer and spend this is what Spencer is going to do live on the French. show. He's going to give us an e, a growth ETF. Oh Jesus. Put me on the that right. um you know so we're we're not throwing darts at companies. Uh, all priced at a reasonable price. Yeah, yeah, he's going to give us an ETF and oh. all the components are going to be at a reasonable price and then we're just we're going to go in it. And uh and that's going to be my next investment and opportunity. So Spencer Right now? Yeah, yeah, right now. Is there one? Oh, man. A growth at a reasonable price ETF. There's got to be one of those out there. Uh, it's kind uh, of the Qs. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the Qs because it's full of reasonable price Google, reasonable price Apple, reasonable price Microsoft, reasonable price Facebook. It's full of reasonable price. I still think Amazon's reasonably priced. Wait, it's I, kind I, of the cues. Wait, I, <laughs> and I own a lot of cues. I, I, I do have one potentially. I want to see uh, what the PE ratio uh, 32. What about QQQJ? There's an interesting one. Which is like the cues, but it's the next hundred. Right? It's and, not and it's trading that, 32 times? Yeah. It, it, it's not the NASDAQ. What's 100. in the QQQJ? Because I, I trade even... it every once in a while, but I have no idea what's in it. Let's oh, go look <laughs> under. <laughs> let's go lift up the hood. That's great. That's the, the Ted is number one trading segment. lesson. He doesn't you. know what it does or what right it, what's in it. I'll tell you okay. what's in it. All right. Okay, what's in it? Top, let's go. Top holdings. Number one is CrowdStrike. All right. Number two is Roku. Number three is Fortinet. You're not winning me over so far. Hold on a second. <laughs> uh, this is top three. Number four is uh, Old Dominion Freightline. Okay. We got uh, we got Liberty Broadband. We got Garmin, AstraZeneca, Expedia, Tractor Supply. I'm not going in order anymore. Oh, my goodness. Dude. So you see what they've done here. Descaler. They put values of value stocks. They put a few value stocks to bring the P down. <laughs> That's what they've done. Because the crowd strike Roku peas or nosebleed. Garmin's probably nosebleed. So they'll, we'll throw some AstraZeneca and tractor supply in there. A little bit of Viacom, a little bit of, you know, yeah. a little bit of value in there just to help that PE multiple. So I don't like the way this is constructed whatsoever. One, this doesn't look, it's they're throwing non-tech stocks in with the techs. I don't know why the Qs want to do that. And yeah, let's make the PE reasonable. We'll throw some value stocks in there. I, I guess it's the all barbell right. approach. Sorry, but... guys. I, I, okay. I was all right. I was... All right, rejected on that one. Rejected. Rejection right. button. Well, that's that's what you get when you get ten seconds of. I'm of... sorry. I just I'm just trying to because that we're, way you're we're not... throwing this to the chat. Let's go chat. You guys need to an emergency, it up a little bit. But we're throwing it to the chat. Find growth at a reasonable price. Twitter trading well, just Twitter's slightly not growing. Wait, chat, it's not growing. Chat does have a couple here. Chat's got a couple here. What do we got? We haven't talked about Salesforce much. I had it once. I had it. I, I don't mind it down here at 210. I've had it in this level already. So I already played it once and it worked out well. I kind of like Salesforce. I like the pullback. I actually am a little bit long in the overnight account as well, full disclosure. I kind of like CRM. What else? Keep going. 
Uh, well, it's from Jean-Sebastian Desmarais. I, I bet you I nailed that pronunciation. Uh, Salesforce, he says Corsair, which I think you already own. I already own Corsair. I did the homework on that one a while ago, and it is reasonably priced. Um, it is a growth name, and it's kind of been thrown in there. But there's a reason I think Corsair didn't break down as hard as some of the other ones, because you're getting into a value area for it. So I, I almost think Corsair is all, almost a value stock at these prices. So I like Corsair. I'm on it. I have a full size position and I've been in it for a while. I bought it at 40. Big mistake. It's at 32. So you can buy it eight bucks cheaper than me. That's one of the few that I held on to because I thought the price wasn't ridiculous. Next. Um, to do... They're looking like Pinterest and stuff. You know what the problem with Pinterest is? I asked my wife, how much are you using? She was on Pinterest nonstop. She's like, I go on there every once in a while, but... If everybody who's moved, it's like, what's the hot thing? And everybody goes on TikTok. Uh, my wife goes on TikTok. You know, she used to be on Facebook. She hardly uses Facebook anymore. Then she's on Instagram. And my wife's a good candidate for this stuff because, you know, she plays around on, on her phone at night when the kids go to bed. And I'm like, well, what are you, are you using now? It's not Pinterest. And she was on Pinterest nonstop with the house and stuff, just pinning everything. But she's kind of done that now. Hmm. So now she's totally moved on to TikTok. So okay. I'm like, that that harms Pinterest, and and I don't know who uses Snapchat anymore, so I don't totally understand Snap at all. We use Twitter. Business people like Twitter. Sports people like Twitter. Um, it it's kind it of a won't news. Grow. Thing. It just won't. I mean, no, it, I know because it, it doesn't grow. Have, because the mass appeal doesn't get it. If you're not into sports, you're not into stocks. There's a, other. There is other things, but it's not like everybody gets the TikTok. It's just you sit there and you laugh. I mean, my wife sends me the videos. They are funny. There's a lot of funny stuff on TikTok. There's a lot of not funny stuff there, too. Well, there's a lot of everything on TikTok. <laughs> there's a lot it's of like ads everywhere. on there. There's a lot but, of ads. But when you look at Twitter, you think, oh, wow, 80 to 50. It is getting into that, you know, cheaper. You know, what's the, what's the earnings projections? Quickly, go to Benzinga Pro Spencer well, in the they background. Guided lower. They guided lower. That's the problem, sales. too, is the growth isn't there. So you're going to pay 40, 50 times earnings for something that's not growing? I like growth if I'm paying 40 or 50 times earnings. I bet you're going to pay 40 or 50 times earnings for Twitter. Uh, I, I don't know if they gave earnings, but they gave revenue revenue guidance. Uh, that doesn't help me. I like it doesn't help you. I know. I know. Uh, I mean, 38 cents, 16 cents. You look at the last few quarters, 37 cents. You can easily say this company can make a buck, buck and a half. So if you threw a 30 multiple on that, which is a market multiple, you get a $40 stock. So you can see how it could be worth 40, 45. I think a 50, a 52, it, it, it would it would have gone to the value zone if it got down to 45. I think I'm probably going to wait on that. But it, what the moral of the story from yesterday, it was a nice reversal day for a lot of beaten down growth names. You know, ARKK, the biggest indicator there. And obviously, you know, I tweeted out right after the Good open. Tweet. It felt Good like tweet. I tweeted right after the open because I do the show and then I can't talk. And I'm like, Okay, well, this felt like, you know, they hammered these things so much on the open, it felt like capitulation. So I did do some buying in the overnight account, and they were all good. I made money on them all. I, bought, like, uh, I had some uh, Roblox I bought, RBLX. Oh, I think oh I yeah, that up Bill's call. Bill, Bill's call. Yeah, I said on the show I liked it. I think I bought it like $66. But then it runs and runs. I'm like, okay, I'm already out of it. So that, that lasted a long time. It closed, it's 77 I mean, okay, well, that was a ridiculous candle. You know, it not only got back some, it got back all of its losses. So Roblox was a great one. I bought that right after the open. I sold it way, way too soon, as I always do. But it was a nice quick scalp. And yep. it was going to be on Mad Money, so that helped it as well. Um, I, I Once Jim said he was going to have that on, too, I was I was buying right when, you know, the site was going to be on Mad Money, and it never looked back. But, 
you know, I like Roblox, but now it's at 77. Okay, it was just at 67. So like that's 64. out. Forget that. You know, and, and the one thing too is, you know, people don't understand if you're trading, I don't always have time to just go into my long term account. It takes me time to go log into my long term account. I'm doing trading, trading, trading. When it slows down, then I'll go do some of my long term stuff. But my bread and butter has always been my trading. So I would love to put Roblox in my long term accounts at $66 yesterday, but I don't have time. I was too busy trading. It was a crazy day. So now, you know, the dust has settled. I got a little bit of time. It's not crazy markets this morning. We're getting a little dip. I'm like, okay, well, what else can I buy? I was interested in Fastly because there was a huge under the radar. I don't have any position in it, so I can freely talk about it. But I did trade it yesterday um, off that 40 level, which is nice. One, it's not the nice bottom at 40. But yeah, there was a, a huge insider buy that just went totally under the radar yesterday. Look at FSLY. Bring it up. Um, Morin Colin, I don't know who that is, uh, bought 520,000 shares at 42 bucks. That's quick math. That's is over $20, 20 million. Somebody just put their money where their mouth is. I'm not sure if that's a director or who that is. Um, it doesn't say director. I don't know who Morin Colin is, but somebody just bought $20 million worth of Fastly, uh, at that had an SEC filing at 42 bucks. So I'm like, okay, well that, that's, you know, an insider, uh, buying there, showing confidence in the company, and I think I think that's why Fastly had a really big turnaround too. It never really went down much because that was from the night before. I was actually surprised that you know it was getting hit as hard as it was, and then it held the forties. So good price action there. Is the stock cheap? You know, to throw in your long term account, I'm not sure about that. But as a swing trade, um, back in and fill in here, you get down to 44, 43. I think you find buyers now because people are going to lean on that forty level. So there is opportunities from trading. It's more I'm talking kind of what do I, what, what could I put in that you know that forty percent that I got in cash right now that I'd like to deploy some of that. What what kind of stocks? Give six, me some uh, the, the six buck range doesn't look like anything on this chart. No, it I know it's been killed so bad. It's one hundred twenty dollars in February. It's a it's a you know a three for one stocks, but not a two for one. A three for one. That's a three for. What that's about a, that's a big uh, wait, there's a few others from the chat that I want to What about Palantir? Does that still have a crazy I don't value? even understand what they do, so I'm not gonna okay. buy that one. Although it's well, beautiful wanna, candle. Nice just, candle yesterday. I just want to say because someone just asked about it here. Um you're you're bumping up against 21. You're trading, you know, up nicely here. You're holding it. Look like your bid there. And I think to me, I'd keep an eye on 2102. I mean, you had a high from two days ago at 2075, another high at 21. But if this thing could get 21 bid, hold 21, uh, there's not much in the remainder of the 21 handle. So uh, 2181 is your five-day high. That's just a quick technical look at Palantir. We can take at it, look at it a little bit later. Uh, someone mentioned the Lamb Research, uh, growth to a reasonable, reasonable price. Maybe chips, though, is it really grow? Is there that much growth there anymore? This stock, and let's give Lamb Research the credit that it's due. This stock has been one of the best performers in the last decade. I mean, you go back to 2015, $75 stock, now $592. <laughs> it is cyclical, too. Chips are always cyclical, so you get fooled. I got fooled on Micron, remember? Um, back when I bought it, $60. Like two years ago, that was at the top of the cycle. Then the cycle came down and the stock starts losing money again, the company. So, and then, you know, obviously the cycle turns, but that's like, it cycles so much those chips. So that's what the problem with land, the, all the chip stocks. You can get fooled and think they're, and then they turn into value traps on you. So I, I'm not trying to poo poo every idea here. I'm just like, this is the market we're in. 
it's still tough. Even after a significant decline I yesterday know. in a lot of names, it's still tough to find growth at a reasonable price. Most of the prices are not reasonable. Uh, so maybe it's going to take more time. Uh, I'm giving you some more stuff from the chat, okay? Uh, Keith Trader is looking at Adobe and Autodesk. Says they both have sub 50 PEs. Um, but again, these are just, these that's are, still, they're that's not growing still, like they, the other yeah. ones either. Man, all right. I know it's tough. Somebody's saying fast, he's still 15 times. Oh, wow. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I like these as, I like some of these as trades. So I think you stop yourself out on yesterday's low. So if you're putting on For any sure. of these stocks, any of these names that we're giving you, I think you got to stop yourself out at yesterday's lows. I mean, Tesla too. I don't mind Tesla on the on the pullback here this morning. Kramer pumping it again. I still think Tesla. So these are trades because I still think Tesla's eventually under a four hundred dollars stock. I'm not going off the record saying I'm bullish Tesla, but as a trade here, I go long Tesla, short Tesla every single day. I'm just scalping it and in and out. I think you know if you're going long, you're leaning on yesterday's low five ninety five. Maybe you get it back at six oh five. You give yourself a ten point stop. Maybe you get a little relief pop. Maybe you know you know it always punishes shorts, so maybe you know, it can punish them a little bit more. There could be room to 650, but if it goes below the 595, all bets are off. So that really turned around yesterday, Tesla, when Jim Cramer on CNBC, it was 584, and Jim says, I'll, I'd buy Tesla right now. And it started going, I, That's I, know, what I, it I bought it when Jim said that. I bought it the exact same time Jim said that. I was like, I'm buying it because it's going to go up. And then it went up like three or four bucks. And I was like, oh, that was a good trade. And I look back 10 minutes later, it's up $14 from where Jim said that literally jim kramer stopped that from going down yesterday he said it right now i see his, his exact words from yesterday at about 9 10 in the morning he said i would buy that right now and what about AMD? It went from 584 AMD. to 594 in the next 10 minutes amd is that cheap not really no i liked it at 60 we talked it yesterday but then i had the big candle reversal intel's cheap though i bought some intel. Mentioned, somebody mentioned intel i want to give them credit uh, I did buy some Intel. I'm early though. I bought it at 56. I'm I bought really it three, early. four days ago because it had been leaking, leaking, leaking before this whole you know massacre in the tech stock started. But this is value tech. I like Intel here. I think Intel's not going away. I think you know obviously you know people are buying at 68 dollars. It got overdone. I like Intel here. I I bought some Intel. I might even buy some more Intel, but it's a full size position already. I don't really like it to. to Go in a double size position, so I like Intel here. You still have your Intel, Joel? Yeah, I got it higher. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy some more eventually. Never uh, frown, average down. <laughs> <laughs> we took that from Joel Alcon. A lot of people dropping coin in there. This is not a reasonable price, people. Oh, uh, no, and coin will not touch. A nice trade. I actually bought some coin. I was trading it yesterday, day trading it. It had some nice rallies. Um, but and and then the candles look good, so you know I'm not going to poo-poo you if you're long it right now. From a technical basis, it looks okay. Not touching it in my long-term account because again, I think competition is going to come for them. Those spreads are going to tighten, and this is going to look relatively expensive when those spreads start to tighten. So I'm not interested in coin whatsoever. I think coin eventually is a lot lower. Right now, it looks pretty good though. Still, so like I said, you can put any trade on. You don't have to like the fun. Trading is not about fundamentals. Trading is about momentum. Trading is about technicals. Trading is about reading the tape. Trading is not about putting your investing hat on. But I got 40% of my retirement account. I'm sure there's a lot of other people sitting with cash that are like, what can I buy? Because you know, we, we talked to two people. We talked to active traders on this show, and we talked to investors. Right now, I have the investing cap on. Find me growth at a reasonable price. I own Google. Like Some of these are good names. 
a lot of these I own. You know, Intel's. Right. I think Intel still has some growth. I think the price is reasonable. I like Intel. I like Google. Google is the, maybe the biggest position in my long-term portfolio. So I'm I'm not adding to it. Yeah, I still like Google though. Don't, don't worry, OP. We didn't. We did not forget about CPI in five minutes. Uh, and we can also ask this of our guests here, but in 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 ten minutes. But what about EA or Take Two or Activision? I own Take Two. Oh, okay. Um, EA. They're saying that quarter was good, and I just didn't think it was as good. We're obviously going to have Michael Pactor on here in 10 minutes, so maybe we'll save some of these gaming questions for Michael. Yeah. We know he liked Zynga last time I was in the show. I'm going to ask about Zynga again to make sure he still likes it. because Zynga's. Uh, so the two gaming stocks I have is Zynga and Take-Two. I sold my EA a while ago. I sold my Activision a while ago. Right? Activision, I got out in... No, I got out of Activision early, like 88. It's 95, so that was a bad sale. And EA, I can't remember where I sold that. I bought it down like 110. I think I sold it in here somewhere, so I could probably re-get it close to where I bought it. I like, I don't mind EA. I like the gaming stocks. I think there's growth there. I don't think gaming's going away. I'd be a buyer of pullbacks, but EA is getting a spike this morning. I don't buy spikes. What about, not, not not in the investment account? What about Fubo this morning? This thing Okay, Fubo. This thing just turned in an amazing quarter and they raised their guidance on top of the day that they already had yesterday. It was already a good day for Fubo before the report came out. The report- thing had just been so oversold. This is what you call a dead cat bounce. This was so, so, so oversold. It got down to $14 in the pre-market. Okay, if you're buying it at 21, you're buying it 50% higher in one day. It rallied 50% in one and a half days from where it was. So as much as it was oversold, it just went to overbought. <laughs> so that I'm looking at those highs, 22.63, 22.42. I think it puts a lid on it. I don't think it's going back to $30 today. It was way oversold. I mean, things can do anything, but I can't come in here and now buy it at 21.70. I, I actually had orders out there if it pulled back on the initial report. So I don't know if you have that shirt, but it never pulled back even on the initial report. But I knew it was reporting. I had orders sitting out there because I figured if it sells off, it'll find buyers. And I had orders sitting out there at $15, $16 in case they you know, reported not a great quarter. Then I was actually going to buy the Buy down the cheap. Yeah. And it went the other way. And I'm like, okay, I missed it. I moved on. So I had no trades on Fubo. Down at 14 15 16 Yes, I think I'd like it back because that's where I originally played. I should have bought it yesterday, Hindsight Capitals 2020. But... I didn't look at it, and it was tough to buy yesterday on that open. Anything you bought on the open, growthy, you were immediately rewarded, but it was a tough open to buy because they were puking stocks out. There were some stocks opening down 10%. Um, you know, like I had, a, I had a short on Ring Central RNG from the night before, and I like I got to cover this on the open. I knew I had to cover it on the open. I put my uh, the aggressive order to cover at 255. I fill at 250. So I have filled five points below my limit price on the opening print, and it went straight up since then. That was the, that just felt like I was like anything I had buy orders, I was getting filled way lower on the growth names than even wow. though I was willing to pay. So that's how much it was a washout. You had a lot of stocks that were just opening down five, six, seven percent, some ten percent, some were opening down ten percent. You had like uh, Fubo, for instance, too. It opened down significantly. I think Fubo opened down almost fifteen percent. These, this was a let's see where it opened. Uh, you gave a great number on the upside it. there. Uh, let's see what what did Fubo do on the. I mean, that's why those opens. Wow, fourteen eighty three open 
1464 low. I just looked. There weren't any monthly lows there. Uh, but you gave a really good number on the upside, Dennis. Um, on that uh, print, they took it up to 2267. And then Dennis is not getting fancy here. He's looking at the dailies. You see a high 2220, 2243, 2262, 2263, 2231. What that tells you is that on the way down, uh, someone was really trying to unload at the 2250 area. We're stalling out here a little bit at 22. So if you're looking for 22, 23, 24, 25, uh, multiple highs of that area reinforced by the after hours high. I, I wonder if Dennis, if you, if you saw space went from down 20% to green. Yes. Yeah. Same thing. That's what you call capitulation. The washout open. Those are usually the buying opportunities. Those are usually the buying opportunities. But then you find, and this is what you're going to find in these things. Like the people that picked this stuff up on the cheap yesterday are flipping it out now. They're flipping it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, space and, gets up to 20. I mean, you just bought somebody, just flipped that and bought that at 14. They just made themselves a tidy 30%. You got to be care. buying when you see that real blood. And it would, like, we, we've been going, you know, just quickly for the CPI, but we've been going yeah. like death by a thousand cuts on a lot of these names. This was like, the gash. This was like, okay, let them bleed out. <laughs> and that's where you really buy. Like, really, the, the smart money was buying growth on the open yesterday. And the smart money is honestly, and the stocks like Fubo probably flipping it out already and making 50% of their money in a day. Wait, that is hey, crazy. 15 seconds here. To crazy, see, crazy good call. 15 seconds here to CPI. It should be a hot number. The estimates are at three points. Should I go wide? Maybe. Three points percent increase year over year. If that were to happen, it would be the biggest increase since September of 2011. But don't worry. It's all temporary. Oh, oh, rut row. Rut row. I'm scared. Spiked it down. Oh, they don't like it. It must be hot. Hot number. Hot number coming out, folks. Hot number, hot diggity number. Get out. Dennis, cancel bids. (laughs) Every time I say that, it's time to put bids in there, just by the way. Uh, Wow. We just went to 07 and a quarter. Whoa, what? What? Oh, boy. Oh, here comes yesterday's low, 0375. We just hit, oh, we ticked 0175. Oh, man. Oh, How hot is this oh. number, Spencer? All right, I'm canceling orders. That's 2%. Now, now, okay. Uh-oh. Down context. goes Frazier. Let's pull this into context. I, I just literally pulled all my bids. <laughs> oh, my God. No more fills. No more, no more fills. Oh, <laughs> no. Four point two percent. Oh no! I went through my bottom number on my sheet. What am I going to do now? Ninety-five and a half. Here's the bounce. Oh my gosh! There'll be a bounce. There always is. Food and energy. Point nine versus point three. And I, I didn't have time to say this before. This is I'm talking. Four point two percent is comparing year over year. Okay, we're comparing April to April. Last April was like the bottom of 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 a lot of stuff. Right? It was. Everyone was locked down. Okay, so the year-over-year comparison—that's why it was high, so high to begin with. Holy so 4.2% increase year-over-year year, uh, is really, really high. But also, the uh, the comp the, the comps are going to be off here because last year was. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say a dirty word here. Uh, stagflation. Oh man. We're going to have high inflation. We don't have high unemployment, but that jobs number wasn't good. And and we're gonna get some flat demand. That's a bad word. 
That's what the that's what they were thinking on when they hit it on that. What's that inflation into a slowing economy? What is Jerome? Can let me call Jerome right now and see what he's going to do because this is not this is not the number he wanted to see. This is not not the droids you're looking for. What's interesting is that month over month, uh, CPI rose. 0.8%, 0.8%, which is above the 0.2% estimate. Uh, so, yeah, it, it there's no there's no saying that it wasn't a hot number because it was a hot number, all right? Uh, higher than expected yeah. year over year, higher than expected month over month, core, non-core, it was all higher than expected. Uh, the question now, because, and the Fed has said, we're, hey, A, we're okay with this, right? We're okay with, with higher inflation. B, because we think it's, it's trend, we think it's temporary, we think it's transitory. So those are the two questions we don't have the answers to yet, um, whether or not they're right. But yeah, that's a. And that, gold goes um, down. God, gold is so far. I'm, I might get out of my gold today. I'm sick of it. And I, I look at that thing. Look at the bonds. Look at the bonds. Bonds are moving up here. This is the one minute. Uh, ah, wow. Brick wallet 140 in the TLT. I don't know if we'll see that for a day or two. We got a bounce, so we cleared out the low from uh, from yesterday, and now we're on the rebound. Uh, but uh, pretty good selling there. That big, big increase. Catching the street. But, boy, we're getting some surprise numbers here Friday and now today. Yeah. Man, they got to start mixing that potion up a little bit different. But uh, certainly what the market did, did not want to see um, in this environment. Gold's getting hit. I see silver's getting hit, too. A lot more red on the screen than we saw before. So 409.550, folks. Uh, there you go. That's your, your current low. Back over 4,100. Would that is he okay there? Uh, the- no, he's okay. <laughs> I'm okay, but uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a fast market for sure. Joel. Okay. Well, we got <laughs> Wait a minute. He just said he pulled all his orders. How could he be in a- I don't know if he did fast enough. Um, yeah, I there was there was some interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dennis is going to uh, dig out of his, dig out of his hole uh, if we can, if he can. And while he does that, we're going to bring on our first guest here. Michael Pactor is equity analyst at Wedbush Securities. Uh, joins us uh, periodically to talk about the gaming sector, technology sector. Michael, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How's it going? Good morning. How old is Joel? I heard a reference to Ali Fraser. And a reference to Jimmy Carter's stagflation. Were, were you like two when those things happened, if that? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm a little bit older than that. I'm probably up in your region. Uh, I'm, t- I'm 65, so you're not even close. Go, go uh, ahead. No, not quite yet. I, I look 45, but I'm 57. Oh, there you go. I look fifty-seven, but I'm sixty-five. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, some people, some you can tell uh, in the chat. Some of those people uh, catch those comments, but uh, boy, oh boy, do we have an interesting market here, Michael? I mean, you know, the growth is it had its run. Value is so perhaps maybe overvalued. I know, you know, your sector, the stocks, uh, you know, that you like to follow, the gaming stocks have had a nice run. Some of them pulled back. Uh, it's just, a, you know, and I think I've been saying this for the last week and a half or two weeks. It's just a tough market, you know, where where to put your money. So let's just talk about, first, let's talk uh, EA. They had earnings today. Uh, well off its, uh, its all-time high, but Kind of in the middle of nowhere. What, what was your take on the report and uh, moving forward for EA? You know, I, there's a dynamic going on in the broader market that 
investors just don't understand um, what shelter in place meant and what shelter in place winners, you know, are going to see a reversal. So we get, you know, if you were buying um, hand sanitizer, we get that you're probably not going to buy as much once you're, once you're vaccinated. What people don't get is, you know, there were big gains for the gaming companies because, as people are sheltered in place, they have a couple hours a day of free time. They're not commuting. They're not grooming, clearly. Um, and so they just were spending their time entertaining themselves. And the more they consume, you know, the more likely they are to spend money on games. So EA was a big winner. Um, the disconnect is that so far we're seeing that a lot of these guys are hanging on to their gains. Um, so EA surprised everybody. They guided much higher growth you know for this coming year than than anybody expected um they did 6.2 billion last year they got to 7.3 billion this year so they're growing off of a shelter in place year and that's pretty impressive I mean, they had a couple of acquisitions in there which creates a lot of noise um they have new games coming out that they didn't have last year so that's more noise but bottom line is they're they're hanging on to the customers that they gained um we saw that yesterday from roblox i, I don't cover them but you know same thing that they did a little better than people thought and they took the unusual step of announcing april month results just to let people know that when kids went back to school they kept playing games i'm not sure where they're doing it but they're playing roblox they're doing school. it in school yeah exactly so so you know the the, the Point and Playtika, same thing. Playtika beat and raise guidance. So, you know, which is all uh, mobile casual games or casinos themed games. So the, the, the truth is that, you know, these wins from consumers, you know, converting their free time in entertainment, they've converted people into gamers. And, you know, I think that the real big disconnect is we're not all headed back to work. Um, you know, stagflation aside, you know, your, your references to, to the 70s. Um, I think this decade is going to see a shift of work habits. Uh, my employer just did a survey of all employees, and it wasn't, you know, you shall return to work. It was, would you like to continue to work from home permanently? And if you want to come to the office, how frequently will you come? I think employers are resetting how they think about commercial real estate, how they think about their cost structure. It is far cheaper for my employer to have me work here. There's no liability insurance. There's no rent. There's no utilities. They can pay me more, and I'm happier. You know, I don't have parking. I, my family, we literally, my wife and I went from two cars to one because I'm never going back to work. Um, so I think that that's a permanent shift for any of these winners from shelter in place because we're going to voluntarily shelter in place. And we've obviously picked up a lot of habits like buying everything on Amazon, including groceries. Um, that's not going away. Uh, so, so the ones I like, the, the stock that I think is the most interesting out of all this, Overstock. They sell furniture. And somehow the market thought, oh, gosh, because we were sheltered in place, we noticed that our couch and our and our coffee table were ratty and needed to be replaced. We were already home every day. We knew we had ratty furniture. <laughs> it was not a shelter-in-place beneficiary. They're actually executing. So I love that one with a blockchain um, side play, you know, ancillary benefit. Yeah, for them. Um, there's tons to make money in in this market, but I agree with your your setup, Joel, that, um, you know, the valuations are getting a little frothy. They pulled back. Investors are, are now shifting to what they call value tech. So you're seeing some of the, the lesser valued stocks come up, some of the higher frothy stocks come down. 
Can I, if I can go back to EA for a second, Michael, sure. uh, you said uh, that you think that their own guidance is too conservative. Why? Or their own EPS guidance is too conservative. Why? You know, they, I mean, to make it really simple, um, on an incremental dollar of revenue, if they grow revenue, they don't have any incremental GNA expense and they don't have any incremental R&D expense. They're, they expense R&D, so they're already creating the games. Um, the only incremental expense is sales and marketing. So, you know, the guy, their gross margin is is north of 70%. And sales and marketing is around 20. So, you know, if they generate 70% gross margin on incremental dollar and they spend 20 to get that sale, they have 50% contribution margin. If you do the math on 1.1 billion of growth times 50%, 550 million of operating profit growth, that's about a buck. 50 buck 75 and they got it to 40 cents of growth so i'll give them some credit that they had some transaction costs for their acquisitions 15 cents but i have them growing a dollar and i think i'm way light i think the number is more like a buck and a quarter all right and, and the last one on ea before we'll move on so the i'm looking ahead to the slate the, the slate uh which which you mentioned already uh we've got uh a new uh battlefield franchise not next year but the year after this year oh, oh, this, year. Yeah. this <laughs> fall we've got a new apex legends uh mobile. same game same game yeah they're just expanding it to mobile yes right okay uh are, are those two are is is the run-up to those two launches is is that a thing are, are those both like short-term catalysts or do you think not not so much yeah no they they definitely are and um it, unfortunately in in entertainment it works both ways so if Battlefield is great, the stock will go up. And if it sucks, the stock will go down. Um, Apex will be a little slower because you can't tell the first day of a mobile game launch. But if it has you know crazy downloads and crazy traction up the charts, that then the stock will work. If it doesn't, the stock won't. I think Apex is going to work for sure. Battlefield's a, an open question. Got it, got it. A um, couple questions from the chat here. I don't know if you follow uh, Huya, H-U-Y-A. Do you, do, you, do you follow that one? Don't even know what they do. I couldn't have spelled it if you had spotted me three letters. All right. And then I uh, got a question for you about GameStop, which I don't think you cover, but obviously. I do. Uh, oh, you do I cover? Do. Okay. Have uh, we had you on since uh, the, yeah. the, yeah, we have. Okay. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Do you, are you still out of sale or, or? I am. And I, you know, I've actually forgotten my price target. It's something like 40. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's hard to keep track. It, it's uh, when they did their most recent capital raise, we we actually added the the proceeds, to the cash balance. So we, you know, I value it on an earnings multiple plus cash. I think it's 40, but if I'm off, it's 42. But um, yeah, I'm going to sell. Uh, look, Ryan Cohen is an accomplished guy and I am certain that he's got, you know, vast plans to turn turn the company around. The question is, you know, are his plans half vast instead of vast? I mean, we'll find out. Um, that, that's a play on words. If you say it quickly, you'll understand. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think that the market's giving him credit that he's going to reinvent GameStop and he's going to get us all to buy all everything there. And I'm not sure it's the same business as pet food where you have to buy more every week. Um, so and you can cross sell people leashes and flea medicine and you know treats. So we'll see. But I think that the valuation is kind of crazy up here. And I know the believers think that shorts are really stupid and they'll keep coming back. You know, Einstein's definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Let's see which one is insane, the shorts or the Reddit Raiders. And I'm gonna bet the shorts figure this out before the Reddit Raiders do. 
Got to ask you about Unity as well. They had earnings out uh, last night, and the earnings were good, and they raised the guidance, and you are bullish Unity, correct? Love, love, love it. Um, and let me say it here first. Um, the reason people love Roblox is they created a platform for developers to create games, and then consumers came in and played a bunch of different games. Unity is Roblox times infinity, times a billion. Um, wow. it, literally 60% of all games are created in Unity. So if Unity says, hey, we're going to be like Amazon, and if you publish your, your book digitally, we're going to create the Kindle store, and everybody's going to buy their books here. Why can't Unity tell every developer who makes a game, put it on Unity.com, and we're going to be just like Roblox, except... We have PS5 graphics and Roblox has PS2 graphics. So your games are going to look better. They're going to play better. And we already have 60% of all games created in Unity. It's going to happen. And they didn't say that yesterday. So you're hearing it here first. Um, they cryptically talked about something called the metaverse, which is something that Epic's been talking about with Fortnite and having concerts and stuff. Unity is so well positioned to eat Roblox's lunch. So if you think Roblox is worth in the 40 billion range and Unity's trading in the 20 billion range, flip those values. Um, Unity is going to eat their lunch. I love them. Wow. Wow, that's a strong endorsement. Uh, Dennis is in the background. Uh, busy. Uh, I'm less, I just take notes. When Michael's talking, I just I know. sit here I and know. I take notes all I the know. time. I just wrote you. I actually wrote it on my I, sheet here. I got it started right, right here. Because I'm looking for stocks. I'm like, this guy, Michael Packer, does his homework. I've, you know, you gave me, I remember uh, the, which, which one was it? King. King. It was remember King. King back in the day you gave us? <laughs> that was a King long time ago. And you said on our show, it was like six or seven years ago, you're like, I almost want to stop covering the stock just so I can <laughs> buy it. And I'm uh, like, I'm going to find King right now. And it got taken go. over like a year later. So <laughs> there you go. It's Michael Pactor does his homework. Uh, so, you want to ask him about Zynga here. I've uh, still Paul. got your Zynga. Are you still bullish Zynga? I am. And, uh, you know, it's another one. It, it, it's that's That's another one that traded – flat out of great numbers. Um, they're hanging on to their gains. Um, management seems to actually be doing everything right. And, you know, I think it's just that they're thrown in that bucket of COVID winners that we have to sell. So the stock hasn't dropped. I mean, I think it's down like 2% since the print, um, but really good numbers, uh, growing EBITDA like crazy. And the, the thing that's cool about them is that they're deliberate in their spending. They're, they're growing because they added a bunch of stuff. They, they launched a new game in April. They launched a game last October. So they're building those two. They have another one launching um, next month. And uh, they have something launching in the back part of the year. So they're going to spend a little more than normal this year, which is keeping their, their earnings down. Next year, everything clicks. So I'd say by this time next year, that stock is well into the mid-teens, probably 15, 16. Um, you can get it at 10, 65 if you've got a year of patience. You make 40, 50%. like it a lot. I like that. All right. Michael Pachter uh, is a senior equity analyst at Wedderbush Securities. Uh, very bullish some stocks, very bearish other stocks, and he's got strong opinions, and we love him for it. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. As always, great insights on Unity, on EA. We'll definitely have you back on. Again. And, and bet, on, bet on Ali over Frazier. Okay, and, thank uh, you. I should Joe Frazier. bet fan. against Jimmy Carter. Okay. I was the only kid in uh, my second or third grade class that was cheering for Joe Frazier. There you go. I was. Down go Frazier. All Down right, Michael, that was great. I really appreciate it. Great insight, and uh, we'll get you back on again soon. It's been too long. 
All right, Joel. Thank you. All right. All right we rebounded, Dennis. We we were able to scratch. I was trying to buy the dip. Uh, that was quick. It that was, was quick. You know what? And because everything was moving so quickly, I'm like, I never even had a chance to analyze the number. You can see the complete separation here now. So assuming hot number, let's go talk the number here one more time. I'm assuming pretty hot number. Yeah, uh, month over month, which I think is a bit more of a fair comparison, uh, 0.8% versus the 0.2% estimate year over year, which I mentioned is kind of going to be screwy because last year was crazy. But 4.2% year over year increase in CPI versus... These are the This is the rigged CPI number too, by the way, where they take out everything inflationary and it's even showing inflation now. Yeah, so CPI, if you don't know, is a basket. Of, I think it's like 80,000 goods that they have in the basket that they just measure the 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 price of i think it's eighty thousand. and they put it all like i don't know if it's it's actually i don't know if anybody really totally knows the way that they calculate but there is a number of goods a lot of it is equally weighted like i've argued before you got a television getting the same weight as you know something else so tv prices go down but lumber goes up i mean you know and then there's other things that are just taken right out of the index altogether which is why the index is so screwy but anyways, um, you know, we're even seeing inflation in the CPI now. Right. So we, you have inflation everywhere. So there, there's, 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 inflation numbers. Everywhere. There's, there's two numbers. There's CPI and there's core CPI. Core CPI doesn't – is core CPI is just CPI but without food and energy, so gas. So no food yeah. and gas. In the without core. everything we use. What? Okay. Sure. Shelter, food, gas, you know, <laughs> transportation, the basic needs of life. That's what the core CPI likes to take out, the basic <laughs> needs of life. It makes a hell of a lot of sense, folks. Hey, I'm not an economist. Yeah, ha- yeah housing. That, that, there's no, uh, no, there's there's no, no need for shelter. There's no need for food. There's no need for gas. Why would we have that in our index? That's how much a joke it is. But okay. But I mean, even the joke index is showing a hot number here. So what does that mean? Banks ripping this morning. We got oil ripping this morning. So banks completely turned around. The banks were getting hit this morning. They've completely turned around. You got Goldman Sachs trading up three and a half bucks here now. Bank America trading up one and a half percent. Citigroup up over one percent. JP Morgan up almost one percent. So the market that's getting in the beats, there is rotation always happening here. Obviously, if we get the inflation numbers hot, that's going to push for higher rates, which the banks want. So it's logic wins again. The banks actually did dip on the initial number, but uh, Slow Denny here was doing a lot of things. I was trying to actually buy some energy. I bought some XLE on the pullback at 52. Uh, but, you know, you're trying to go as fast as you can. You're trying to process quickly. And it's just, uh, you know, I wish it was a computer, I guess. I should just probably algorithm all. Oh, it, it does as Dennis, you could have You could have put your traders. You, 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 what you do and the exotic hedges and some of the stuff that you do, I I don't know. If it's a can. reason why the human being is still superior to the algorithm. So if you you will see, you know, and we have a number of traders, really good ones in bright trading. You know, we got like a hundred traders in the firm. There's twenty or thirty traders in bright trading that are just phenomenal traders, and they do use some algorithms, and I use some algorithms too to help. It searches me ideas. I used to use it for execution. Um, I don't use them so much for execution anymore, although I do. I do. I, I do. I do use some algorithmic help too. But still, those those brains, you know, those the trader brains that are just seasoned, can always think one step ahead of the bots because when the rotation turns, they identify it. And you know, if you've got you know a quant and they've got you know just they're just running algorithmic trading, 
the rotation turns, they got to reprogram that all. And then they tell the programmers, okay, well, we need this done, you know, and then it's a week later and finally they've got it. And, you know, they start to employ it a little bit. Well, we were already extracting alpha from that for the last week. And maybe the rotation's going to turn again all of a sudden. So there are always opportunities for the human being that understands relationships. Remember, I'm all about relationships. I know when you get a hot CPI number like that, it is going to be good for the banks. I mean, there's just people that are just selling stocks just because they're selling stocks on that. That was not the call. If you look, bring it up. It's actually good. It, it's a good uh, right on the 330 number. Bring up, you know, the initial um, on Bank of America. You can't see it there, but they actually hit it. You know, in the first few seconds, the bots, because they hit everything, stupid, stupid, stupid program, hits everything because IWM and, and, and SPY is going down. So they just automatically hit everything. And then, whoa, whoa. And then they turn around and they start buying them. But you can actually see even the XLE, bring up the XLE on the initial number. It got hit. I, I got executed. I bought some XLE at 52. And then I was 52.64. Um, I'm out of it. Um, I was actually short XLE, so it was a cover. But you can see, boom, the initial hit. Well, that didn't make sense. You know, we got energy and then so, and it's getting a lift here now too. So there's certain things that when they just, the, the sell program hits sell everything. Some of it isn't a sell. And the, the smart traders are picking up that stuff that probably shouldn't be sold on a hot CBI, CPI number, especially the banks. The banks are the obvious one. Yeah, getting a little pop here. That's nothing uh, to do with technicals. You see how all that trade like, this is why 90% of the people out there are using technicals. They're looking at charts. They're trying to tell you different things. Which At Bright Trading, the majority of our traders are talking about relationships. Nobody talks about this stuff because you know why? It takes homework to understand this stuff. You know, people don't want. They can easily look at a chart. Oh, I get that. You know, it's trending up, trending down. It's simple strategies. The, the, uh, you put a little bit more advanced stuff in there, though, alpha generation goes way up. There's a reason those 20, 30 guys in Bright Trading make money every month. There's a reason that they're so bloody consistent because they understand those relationships. They understand, you know, what it means. And, you know, you've got to understand that the majority of money, you think Citadel and you and, and, and you know, all your major high frequency trading firms are making money because they like the chart. I can pretty much guarantee you that Citadel probably uses very little charts. Probably. I'm, I'm not with Citadel, but I, 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 they probably don't use much charts at all. Uh, not not to make their trading decisions. A lot of theirs is market making, where they're just making the spread. I think a good bulk of the money that they're making is market making. But there's also the quantitative approach, where you're understanding the relationships. This happens. This means this. And the smart programs are coming in and buying banks on a hot CPI number. And there was an opportunity. It didn't last more than a minute, but there was an opportunity there to get long banks on that hot CPI number. What, was, isn't it that story from uh, uh, Jim Simons who who runs Renaissance like, like decades ago? Like he was asked like for for some examples of like you know like reasons behind their success because it's all computers and he like named like a stock that wasn't even like out there anymore because it gotten taken over. But he didn't even know that because it, the point was it doesn't matter. Like it was all it was all just computers trading off relationships. Yeah, relationships make money. He didn't even know like the stock was, wasn't even like a stock anymore. Because... And you know what? And I'm probably the same thing. You know, I I get to a point. Remember where I get so busy with my trading? I had a stock taken over in my long term portfolio. It got taken over. It was a smaller cap name, and I didn't even notice till two weeks later. I was like, "Holy crap! I'm up fifty percent." And I'm like, "What happened there?" I look back. It got taken over two weeks ago, and I didn't even. 
I didn't even know that. I, you know, I got so tied up with my own trading, you know, I didn't even notice that I had stock taken over in my long-term portfolio. But I don't log into my long-term portfolio every day because I don't want to trade it. Yeah. But yeah, you're talking about Jim Simon. You're talking about, hey, look, here's an advertisement for him right here. Look what I got sitting here. Oh. The man who solved the market, Jim Simons. Yeah, did you read that yet? I gave it to you. Like, no, I know. I flipped through it, but I, I, I need to read That's it. That's a good read. It's a vacation. It's a vacation <laughs> I do need to read it. But, I mean, I'm all about the quant, the quantitative approach to the markets. You know, I'm basically a quant. Never um, figured out who sent that quant, to though, us. A human quant, though, not so much an algorithmic quant. I never figured out who sent that to us. It was an anonymous person, and they never. And I try. I wanted to thank them. It came forward. Uh, we got a bounce to mid range there at forty two twenty three. Now we're turning another leg lower. Uh, Mike K was asking um, about you know, do I think that the S and P can go down to you know four thousand? And I'll pull up the cash here. And this is the difficult thing here. If we we could fall a long ways in the market. And still be in a really bullish uptrend. I mean, and that's the thing. And that's why I'm, you know, hesitant putting, uh, you know, money to work at these levels because, I mean, look at that run from 38.50 to 42.50. I mean, and that that's just since uh, uh, the end of March. So, yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we read 4,000. Yeah, we go down to four thousand, and you couldn't even consider that. Uh, that would be a little bit of a pullback. So I like to do my numbers, my analysis on the, you know more on a weekly basis. And we hurt last week's low yesterday. I mean, we happened to get some 30, 40, 50 point rips off the bottom. We had a new low. We hit. We took out the low from yesterday, and we're way below my weekly numbers. So yeah, four thousand could definitely go there. But the question is, is is it a bargain? Another hundred and fifty handles from here. That's going to be the question. All right, I said at the top of the show that my goal was a thousand likes. For not doing good, not there yet, but we have time. I'll like you. We'll I'm going to help the cause right now. Look, so I just helped you. Thank you. Let's get to a thousand likes. And on that note, uh, Benzinga's YouTube is nearing one thousand subscribers. Sorry, one thousand. What did I say? A hundred thousand subscribers. I was going to say that's not very good. A thousand, a hundred, a hundred thousand. We are we are on the doorstep of a hundred thousand subscribers to our YouTube channel. We have a very special giveaway plan. I'm not going to say exactly what it will be, but it does involve giving away a free stock. I'm not going to tell you what stock for the hundred thousand subscriber. We're doing a contest, uh, and uh, it it will be awarded after we cross the threshold. You will have to enter. Uh, it's not live yet. I'm just teasing it. It's going to go live on Monday. This, this... What if you get the 100,000 subscriber today because you just said that? Then... <laughs> You're going to have to work I fast. Don't <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, we're at 94 and change right now. So um, we are we are having a contest next week for the 100,000 subscriber celebration. We're going to give away stock. We're going to give away some other stuff. Uh, and we're going to pour something on, on Jason. And head. you know where we probably we we picked up a, a majority of those fun. subs uh, from the financial crisis, uh, not the financial crisis. I'm not thinking. Uh, you know the pandemic. I mean, I think that's where because when the market's going up and up and up and up, everyone's a genius, yeah. right? Everyone can buy. Everyone, and sell. everyone, everyone. But when you get into these kind of uh, environments where the market's actually going down. Uh, 
you know, it's it's a lot more difficult. And maybe we don't talk about the, you know, the cryptos and you know all the things that you know the hot things. What we're talking about is consistent trends and ways to navigate yourself out of uh, these kind of environments. So hopefully we're not hitting uh, the environment that we did uh, back in last uh, March and April, but definitely a little bit more rocky road here. Uh, And then before I forget to mention this, uh, on SPAC's pack today, they're talking to the CEO of uh, Carlotts, L-O-T-Z. That's at 1115 today. I want to plug that because I saw on the calendar – and I was up on the screen earlier, and I want to plug it again. Uh, LOTZ will be on the stream at 11.15. There it is. Uh, all right, Dennis and Joel, any final thoughts for the day before I bring on our next guest? I still like to buy some of the growth names on the dip. You're getting a significant dip on most of those growth names. I had a pretty good day yesterday. Arc getting hit here on the hot number. I think you get down here yesterday's lows on anything, and you, I'm trying to buy on the dip. Tesla's right there right now. So if you're looking at Tesla, it's interesting. It's trading right near yesterday's low, 601. So 595, just below the 600. I think you're going to find support there. So if I'm looking at the growth names, I'm looking at yesterday's lows across the board. Obviously, on a Fubo, it's not going to come into play. But on some of these names, like Tesla, it is coming into play. So I think you're looking at yesterday's lows, and you're maybe trying them for trades there. Take out yesterday's lows, you stop yourself out. You give yourself a little bit of room. Don't, like, do it to the penny. But... Um, you know, and r- roughly speaking, that's where I'm looking at buying the dip is on some of those growth names at yesterday's lows. Just for and uh, I'll give you the flip side here. Uh, if you took some stuff home overnight and you know you caught the bounce yesterday, you're looking good. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna be gapping down through a lot of lows in this stock, but I want to get too giddy on the upside of some of this stuff until the stock at least goes green. And and if it's trading below that close, for example, you know, Microsoft traded down a buck ninety here. I mean, anywhere near, you know, 126. You know, look at the mark. I mean, with the indecision uh that you had yesterday, right? And now the nervousness in the market now, if people that bought the dip yesterday that thought, you know, they got the whole enchilada, uh, a little different today. So just keep an eye on those closing price for the mark. Don't get uh don't there's a lot of I'm just going through some of the growth names. People are like, you know, a- asking about what growth names are yesterday's low. I just saw Tesla, but there is a lot of growth names that are approaching yesterday's lows. I mean, Apple is approaching yesterday's low, and Apple's not a growth name, but I'd say I'm just putting it to tech yeah. altogether. Let's see what they do at yesterday's lows. These are just setups, folks. They don't always work. You know, if, if stuff something worked 100 percent of the time, you know, we'd all be rich. So it's just setups and probabilities, but. A lot of times you'll see support at the previous day's lows, especially after a big reversal day like that. So here's where a strategy where I am using the charts. I'm going and looking at yesterday's lows and thinking, I'll take a shot there. If it works out, it works out. If it's not, I have myself an out. You know, I have myself defined risk. And that's what me and Joel have always been about. It's defining your risk before you enter the trade. Never think about enter a trade. Think about how much money you can make. Think about how much money you can lose. And then that'll protect your capital. All right, let's talk commodities here. I want to bring on Sal Gaberti from uh, Tukum Trading. Joel, uh, we'll see you later. Okay. Sal, first off, good morning. Thanks for joining me. Good morning. Well, it's a pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me. What do you say to someone who's looking at, I'm going to bring up a chart now of one of your ETFs, corn, okay? What, what do you say to someone who is just now noticing uh, something like corn uh, or, or wheat or soybeans and seeing their run? and getting interested now what would you say to that person well i'd say i'm glad you're you're here and you've you've finally noticed uh commodities and particularly grains um 
you probably missed the big leg. You, you've definitely missed the big leg up. Grains are interesting in that they, they, you know, all farmers are subsidized around the world. And so they're used to operating at break even. And when you look at long-term continuation charts of, of grains and ags in particular grains, um, they trade at their break even. And then when it stops raining, because nobody, you know, nobody skips their bagel in New York when it doesn't rain in, in Kansas. They, they go out and still still get their bagel. And so you see these, these grains explode higher. And you, you've missed that big initial move. That said, now you've got to, you, you know, you've got to be careful and um, buy the dips. And the reason for that is um, if you want to be long, you're, you're looking for dips. The reason for that is you're at really elevated levels. Um, grains are, you're coming into a, a time period where you can often see a seasonal top in grains between now and, and, and say the beginning of July. And that has to do with, with the growing season in the Northern hemisphere. So, you know, you pulled up corn, I see your soybeans up, our soybean funds up there now. Um, you've got to watch these things carefully, but the global balance sheet of grains, meaning the supplies left over after you, so you grow a crop in one year and it's, it's cosmic. You, you know, you plant a seed in the spring, it grows all summer, you harvest it in the, in the autumn and winter, nothing's growing. So that, that's how it works. So what you harvest has to last one year, it has to last through the winter, through planting, through growing, through the next harvest. And when you figure out how much you've grown and have in a big pile, and then how much you're gonna use for the next year until you can add to that pile, What's what's left over is a little bit. And what's happened is using soybean as an example, since it's on the screen, they, you're no, you're normally used to about 40 days supply left over in the United States. We're down to under 10 days supply predicted right now. And so the, people are nervous because you, nobody's going to stop using soybeans. You're not going to stop eating. You're not going to stop feeding your animals. You're not going to stop using the fuels. And so what happens is what happens if there's not perfect weather next year? So it's basically a weather bet because the combined use of grains, corn, soybeans, and wheat in particular, goes up every single year since 1960. We've looked back since 1960. Every single year, the combined global use of corn, soybeans, and wheat is either a record or it just misses. So it's it's the second highest ever in history. And that happens every single year because the, the, the population of the world is growing and the global economy is growing. And so you want to layer in um grains when they're at break even you've missed that now because we, we've drawn down the balance sheet so now you want to pick your spots you want to be careful but grains are likely going to remain elevated through next year we have a big government report coming out today and it's it's projected to show that that even through this growing season um and again we're just planting those seeds now so we're assuming perfect weather and trend line yields um, that in the autumn, when we harvest, the grain that has to last us through next autumn um, in, in 2022, that that's not going to be enough to replenish us back to what we were used to just a year or two ago. And that's why we've seen these rallies. So you've rallied, you're at elevated levels. You will likely remain at elevated levels. Be cautious in your acquisition of grains right now. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be looking for dips to, to accumulate if you're, if you're on the buy side. So remaining at elevated levels until the end of this until the next harvest, which is the fall. Is that what you're saying? Well, um, okay. So this coming fall, the, you generally have a seasonal low in the autumn. So with corn in particular, you generally get a, get a seasonal low on spot corn prices um, in, in the first week of October. That's prime Northern Hemisphere harvest. But this year, even with the harvest predicted, 
that 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 we're expecting. We do not expect corn inventories to increase. We actually expect them to decrease a little um, from last year. And, and so they, we're likely to remain elevated until the harvest that occurs in 2022. That said, it could rain. It's not raining in Brazil right now. That's why you've seen corn take that extra leg up in the last week here on the chart. Um, Brazil is the world's second largest exporter of corn, and they're they're not getting rain that they really need badly right now. And so th that's that's a bit of a problem. If it rains there, you could see a pullback. But remember, the pullback is going to be because of the Brazilian rains this year. But even if we get good rains and perfect growing season in the entire northern hemisphere, which is just being planted now, um, you're not going to have the level the amount of corn left over that you had a year ago, which means the balance sheet's gonna stay tight through a year from this autumn until we can see that crop come in. So, you, you know, you're, I think people need to look at this chart and not expect the pullback back to say the 2020 lows or the 2019 lows. That's gonna be very unlikely, if not completely improbable uh, for, for a good year, maybe longer. So so not expecting a pullback, I, I guess there's a difference here because the chart can only, go, can only go up, down or sideways. So right. You're saying not necessarily going to go up, not necessarily going to go down. So you're you're saying going to remain at these levels. I think you're gonna you're gonna you're right now you're at an extremely elevated level. It would not surprise me to see a pullback okay. over the next several weeks or months, but that pullback is not going to be anywhere near the lows we've seen in the last year because the fundamentals don't support. It. So if that does happen, it will be an aberration. Well, and yet you're talking about everything from a fundamental standpoint, but we haven't even considered like the speculatory aspect. Is, is that a word, speculatory? I don't know. I just made that up. The we'll go with it. Yeah, okay. Speculation aspect um, of this. And I, I, I don't even know if, if we're factoring that into the equation yet. I, I think, um, well, certainly hedge funds, because the data is, you know, you have to report. So the, the commodities rules are, are unique. So yeah. futures markets have to report who's holding what, long and short positions, what category of people. And hedge funds and speculators are holding record long positions right now across the grain. So that's another thing. If the, if the sentiment turns, even if some of those people liquidate, you could see a significant pullback here. Many fundamentalists are viewing that as a buying opportunity. Because it's it just unlikely that we're going to return back to the comfortable inventory levels that we had, again, only a year ago, which means we likely won't return to the prices we had a year ago anytime soon. Are agricultural plays like corn and wheat and SOIB and tags, are, are these hedges against inflation? We just got a pretty hot number. Definitely. They, they definitely are. They, you know, they're the cause of inflation in, in uh, commodities are the cause of a lot of inflation besides besides wage increases. Um, you know, energy is, is probably the number one commodity cause of inflation. But you're seeing uh, the, the commodity spectrum, everything except gold go up uh, of late. And so that that's going to fuel uh, uh, more more inflationary pressure to the upside. And commodities are, over time are proven statistically to be a good, a, you know, a good inflation head or an effective inflation hedge. You, you briefly mentioned uh, the the report, the World Agricultural Supply and Demand report that is, uh, I guess, due at, due out today. Uh, what are the ex the expectations for that? The the expectations for that are to confirm the tightness that that they they showed last month, which again caused this extra leg up that we've seen here in the grains. And this year we get the first glimpse of 
of um, basically what the stocks will be through the 2021-22 season, which is the seeds going in the ground now, be harvested in the autumn, that then have to last us through next autumn. So we get the first glimpse of that. That's expected to, to again, that's my point. They're expected to show those inventories are going to remain tight. We should show a marginal growth in corn inventories um, from this year to next year. We should show a marginal growth in soybean inventories. But again, we're just for example, soybeans have less than 10 days supply. We're used to 40. We may, uh, some private analysts are saying the forecast today may show next year supply will go up to 16 days. Um, okay, big deal. We're used to 40 days. So that's what I mean about, about the, the, the um, balance sheet staying tight and grain prices likely remaining elevated for an extended period of time here, meaning another year or so. Can you speak a little bit to the construction of these ETFs? So do they, do they just hold front month futures of commodities or, or, or what? Sure. Um, I, we designed these uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and to not just hold front month. So they're, they're not designed to track the front month. They hold um, second month futures, third month futures, and then an anchor month which is often can be can be more than a year out the curve. And the reason we did that was one, people like to track the spot. They wanna see that when spot corn's going up that your, your corn fund's going up as well. Right. So if you hold the, the second and third month, you will, you will um, you know, correlate with the spot a little better. And then holding that anchor month, this is for people who, who can see a trend coming and wanna hold an ETF for say six months or a year or longer. For those people, holding that anchor month is really important. You want to be, that's out the curve, okay? So out the futures curve, the only people playing out the futures curve are, are um, people who belong in it, producers and, and, and buy side hedgers and really smart, you know, hedge fund people like that. Right. You want to have your money out the curve with the, with the people who are looking at the curve. And so we, we put that across the spectrum. Our holdings are designed to um, not track spot, but give you, you know, if second month, third month and, and the December following third month, which is our corn month benchmark, if they go up, the corn fund will go up. If they go down, the corn farm will go down. Directionally, we will be moving with those three futures contracts month. Yeah, People right. can see that on the website. All ETFs, we're not unique in this. All ETFs must post their holdings within 24 hours. We post them same day. We have a formulaic um, long-only benchmark. So if a million dollars comes in, we buy $1 million of those specific corn futures contracts. We post it on our website. You can see it. If a million dollars goes out, we sell them. You can see our holdings. You know what we're going to do today, a year from now, 10 years from now. So it's, it's a very predictable um, uh, vehicle that you and transparent vehicle that you can use if you, if you have a, a directional view on corn. I, we designed these things and they're the only products out there, the only ETFs out there. But it, for instance, in oil ETFs, there are oil ETFs that only hold, you know, nobody really holds the front month for any time period. They, they've all gone into the second month now. Well, Those yeah. are really good for short-term trading. If you have a one to, to one day to six week time horizon, that's terrific to hold the short-term ETF like that. But if you have a longer than say a four or six week time horizon, you don't want to hold an ETF that's only holding front month. You want to hold an ETF that spreads its holdings out so you don't have all the, the messiness of rolling and and, and things like that. Well, yeah, let's get into that for a second. So for people who don't know, what what are the unique risks associated with an ETF that holds futures versus an ETF that just holds like a straight equities, right? Because we saw some really crazy things happen last year with the USO when oil went negative and they had to basically change the rules of, for the fund on the fly as far as how far out the curve that, that, that they went. So what, what are the, the unique risks associated with, with a fund, funds like yours that hold futures 
and not equities. Oh, sure. Well, futures and equities are two two different things. And and remember that you know equities, you're taking the money, you're buying stocks, you don't have any money in there. Right. Um, futures, you 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 only have to put five percent down to control a dollar. And so if a million bucks comes into our fund, we you know fifty thousand or so goes into buying a million dollars worth of corn. The rest of it just goes into short term. Uh, interest-bearing, you know, instruments, and that money accrues to the fund. It offsets expenses and and, and helps accrue expenses. And so, um, but what happens is futures contracts. Nobody wants to get a truckload of corn delivered into their front yard, and that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of these vehicles is to allow people to participate in the 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 price movement, not to actually get corn. And so we buy futures, but we sell those futures before they become spot, before they go to delivery, and. Um, it's very simple, okay? The, the, the best analogy is between a gold ETF and say a grain ETF. Gold, you know, 1,500 bucks worth of gold is about as big as a, a half dollar. And, and you know, there, there's decamillions and, and billions of dollars worth of gold can be stored literally in one room with a guy with a gun standing outside. It's really easy to store that. It doesn't cost anything to store it and protect it. So there's no cost associated with holding that gold. In corn, it costs five cents a month a bushel to store corn, and that's reflected in the futures price. So if I if I buy corn at, at you know five dollars a bushel, um, if I hold it for a year, at the end of the year, that corn better be worth five sixty five, sorry um, five sixty, because I've I've paid sixty cents in storage costs for that year, and that's with any commodity. Oil's got storage costs. Any any commodity has storage costs, and so. The futures reflect that, and that's why people are confused about spot tracking. If it, it and and you cannot expect to buy something and hold it for a year and there not be a cost associated with that. Those costs are are very expensive with physical commodities because it costs to hold them, and and that's what's reflected in futures. There's something called rolling, contango, and backwardation. Probably too much to get into right here. Well, no, not necessarily. Go, go into a little okay, bit. sure. So. Yeah. So contango is a cost of carry. So if I pay uh, $5 for a bushel of corn today, that that bushel of corn, like I say, will cost me a nickel a month to hold it for a year. Well, if I buy the spot month futures contract today, which let's there, there's still there's a May futures contract in corn. So if, if I buy May corn today, that futures contract will expire in a couple of days. I'm going to take delivery of that corn and hold it for a year. And that corn will will cost me five dollars and sixty cents. OK, a year from now. Now, it, unless spot corn goes up to five dollars and sixty cents, I've lost money. Right. I've lost money. But when I bought it, corn was at five bucks. If all else being equal, corn stays at five dollars, I'm going to lose 60 cents for that storage cost. That will be reflected in the futures price. What I should have done, being a paper trader, was bought the May 2022 corn contract. OK, right. and I, I don't have it in front of me. I shut my screen off so we could have the, the video be clear. But um, the, the proper thing is not to say I bought May corn in May of 2021 and a year from now say, well, heck, May corn today is $5 and it cost me $5.60. I lost 60 cents. That was a bad investment. Right. No, the proper thing to do is buy the May 2022 futures contract and just sit on it. I, and, because, just, and I want to be clear, that contango, that, that's a normal market. That is correct. Normal is market. That's why backwardation, it's backwards. Okay, It's a backwards relationship. When a commodity is worth more today than it is in the future, that's upside down. That doesn't make any sense. It, it, think about a grocer, okay? He buys a, a can of peas and puts it on the shelf. He's got, he has to lay his money out. He's got cost of money. He's got insurance. He's got all the costs associated with keeping that can of peas on the shelf till it sells. So he's got to mark it up a bit. Yep. If, 
if he marks it down and sells it at a discount, that makes no sense at all. That's a backwards thing. Same thing in commodities. It all makes sense. Like that. And that's where we are now. That's where we are now. And that's because it's perceived that there's not enough. Now there is enough. Okay. But everybody's nervous. What they're assuming is we're going to grow enough to get us back to normal in the future. So the prices in the future are lower today than today's actual price of the corn because people are afraid we're, you know, we're running pretty low. Yeah. So then the, so normally in a, in a contango market, when you just roll, you roll forward, that's how you hedge yourself. But in this market, that wouldn't work. Right. Okay. So let's, let's say that. So, you know, if we're holding, if you're holding May contracts right now and they're about to expire, I'm going to sell those. And let's just say I'll buy next May's contract. All right. And let's say okay. corn is a dollar higher. I'm making these numbers up, but the corn's a dollar right. higher now than it is next May. I'm going to sell, say, $5 corn and I'm going to buy $4 corn. Now, what does that mean? That means I'm going to buy 20% more corn. Okay. So that's why people say you want to buy a backwardated market. You want to buy an ETF when it's backwardated. Well, okay. In an up market, you do because the corn I'm selling that I have to sell because I don't want to take delivery, I'm replacing it with cheaper corn. So I'm buying more. I have to put all that money to work. So I'm buying more corn. So suddenly the fund that you bought holds a lot more corn than it did before the roll. Well, that's wonderful. If corn prices keep going up, you own more corn to make more money. But here's where it gets you. When When the market starts going down, you lose more money. So, you know, backwardation isn't the holy grail that people say it might be. It's it's really good to buy a fund when it's backwardated. But you got to be fast because when the market trends change, you actually own more of that commodity inside the fund. So you're going to lose more. Um, that's one of the reasons we designed our fund to hold three contracts. We will underperform in both up and down markets because we don't own the spot. And we're, you know, we're owning those three different contracts. So if you're a buy and holder and you you believe the whole complex is moving up, that's what our funds are, are probably um, best designed for in that you're going to slowly go up as the whole corn complex goes up. And as the corn complex goes down, you're not going to go down as fast because you own out the curve and it's, it's spread out. Sal Gaberti is the CEO of uh, Tukum Training. Just fantastic, fantastic stuff. We, we, we don't give this space... Um, a ton of love on this show, but it, but it deserves it. Uh, it deserves more than it gets. And uh, it's been in a hot market uh, as have all the commodities to be frank, but uh, Sal was just dropping a lot of knowledge on us. And we appreciate that. We'll definitely have you back, Sal. Uh, they've got a bunch of uh, commodity ETFs. You've seen them on the screen, tags, corn, uh, SOIB. Uh, check it out there. Two cream trading. Sal Gaberti. Thank you so much for the time today. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Had fun. Stuff. I, I hope you all learned something because I, I mean, I, I definitely learned like 10 things just there talking to Sal. So uh, I, I hope you did as well. If you did learn something, give us a like on YouTube. We appreciate that. Uh, and if you want more commodity stuff, we can bring on more commodity guests. We can bring on some some metals people. Uh, you, you know, we can bring on more agricultural people. Uh, we can bring on anybody. Say the word. And we will try our best to get him on. So, yeah, again, uh, Gerard says, great guest. Anne-Marie Van says, fantastic, and that makes me happy. Uh, Andre loved it. Hacks loved it. Yeah, Jason Chubnell says, we got to bring on Angie Setzer, a.k.a. the goddess of grain. We will get Angie Setzer. She's actually on my I – wrote, I wrote her name down. She's on, she's on a piece of paper. Um, I wrote her name down. I, it says Angie Setzer PMP. So uh, I will get Angie Setzer on the show um soon i i promise she, she if you don't know her she is a trader um commodities trader 
and she she's living in the space just like Sal is. And so it's from a little bit of a different perspective, but she's fantastic. Uh, Adam Reynolds is asking, when, when will we get Elon Musk? Um, TBD on that one, Adam Reynolds. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Sorry. Um, anybody besides him. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, smash that like button. Programming note. Today is the last, like, quote-unquote, normal day of the week um, for Benzinga YouTube and streaming content. Reminder, we have the Benzinga, the Global Small Cap Conference, tomorrow and Friday right here uh, on YouTube. So we're going to do pre-market prep in the morning as we normally do. And then at 9, from 9 o'clock onward, it'll be the Small Cap event. Um, So we'll do some, like, pre-recorded stuff. But no live stuff, no live SPACs, no live Power Hour, no live Get Technical, um, no live crypto show. Um, it'll be just small half conference for the next two days. And then when that ends at 6, we're going to resume our uh, our evening programming. Uh, so this is going to be the last normal day of the week on the programming front. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about uh, as far as the small cap event, well, learn something. So it's a two-day event. It's free. It'll stream on YouTube. But if you go to bzsmallcap.com, there are some other things that aren't going to be available on YouTube, some ex- exclusive stuff. So bzsmallcap.com to learn more about uh, all those offerings. But that's going to be tomorrow and Friday. I am going to be moderating or emceeing, uh, whatever, one of the tracks. just two tracks each day. I'll be emceeing one of the tracks tomorrow. So check that out. Uh, okay, wow, it is 9.25. See, time flies when you're having fun. I'm having fun. I don't know about you all. Uh, it's always fun to hang out hang out with you fine people. Here is our programming schedule for the day up on the screen right now. Uh, David Green was supposed to be on with us today, uh, but he had a last-minute cancellation. Uh, uh, Spencer, Spencer, I don't think you saw, but Aaron said that he might be ready. I think he was setting up the link. Really? Yeah, oh. just... Want to give you some insight I, I on that? I did not know that. <laughs> Before you tell everybody to get on. Oh man! All right, see that I didn't even know that David Green because he he first he was, then he wasn't, and now yeah, he is. All right, it's a little back and forth, but okay. right now the last message that we have is Aaron Bry saying going live. He's kept it going live right now. Then I'm gonna hop. Everyone, let's before I leave. Thank you very much, Mitch. Before yeah. I leave, did we get to a thousand likes today? Please, please. Oh, we didn't. We're at seven fifty. All right, three quarters. Uh, three quarters of the way there. All right, smash that like. Let's get to a thousand live trading with David Green starting right now. I'm gonna hop off the stream and I'll see you guys later. Uh, for various other Benzinga shows, good luck at the open, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.